0: The Adam Crowley Show. I've never felt so alive until now. On ESPN Pittsburgh and the iHeartRadio app. Big ball game on Sunday. At least I've been told. I feel bad for Mike Prasuda. He's got to miss the RMU hockey game. It's really going to hurt him. Joining us now to talk about the big football game, former Steeler Merrill Hodge. Merrill, thank you so much for taking the time today. Really appreciate it. Uh, it's my pleasure, my friend. Merrill, tell me a little bit about your call football. You've just been named a head coach, and it looks pretty interesting.
1: <laughs> you know what I'm going to say? It's actually it's fascinating if you think about it. Um, yeah, I, I think every fan that's a real football fan, they like to call their own place, or like to feel like they could call their own place. Well, this is now their opportunity. Um, we're going to play um, we got two teams we're going to play three times um, in May it, it, towards probably be, our season will probably be through through May, but the fans are going to call the plays there's going to be an extra ten seconds on the clock um, every day every situation they'll have three options so if it's first and ten they you throw three up three options up. the majority um, the majority rules so whatever play people select the most is the play we run now. The one thing that you have to be um, good at this with is you have to be productive with your play. So you can't just call a play or call plays you think everybody else is going to call. You have to call plays that you think are going to win and be successful for you. And then you're going to move the change. You're going to get the first downs. You're going to score because that's how you accumulate points, money, prizes, and cash. So um it's going to be a fascinating experience. I, I was I'm was so optimistic. When, I, when they first presented it to me, I was like, what? They're gonna do I'm like, nah, you can't do that. So I go to New York and I met with them and we did a mock game on college. It was a college game. And I'm telling you, it was me and this one guy in the room They were going back and forth. I I would get in first place and he'd get in first place and um you'd see how the, the you know, where they are on the field, what's the down and distance. You start to get a feel for the players, like, you know, who's you know, what the quarterback can do, how you know, what what is his strength. And so you start calling plays accordingly. Um and it was, I'm telling you, it was fascinating. The first quarter went so fast, I was like, I put my phone down. I was like, okay, I'm in. I was just like, it was it was so cool. I mean, fans, uh, football fans will love it. Gamers will love it. Um, and it'll be a very cool way to, uh, a much different way to watch a game now than they've ever watched it.
0: No doubt about it. And it's a really, really good idea, especially the people that I see on Twitter always questioning Todd Haley. Right. This gives yeah. them that opportunity. This is genius. What about this? Give the ball to Hodge. How's that sound?
1: Well, yeah, right. If I'm out there, I'm like, actually, if I'm out in the hole, I would suggest that they don't put me that don't put that play in. I was like, But oh, well, here's what, you know, like listen, when they were talking about it, um, you know, Mike Sherman, who was head coach of the Green Bay Packers, they were concerned about, you know, his experience head coaching versus my experience head coaching. Now, I have none at the NFL level, but I've coached almost every level except the NFL. And I'm like, you know, listen, if you really want to know, though, that, one of the most important, critical things about coaching is play calling. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's like one of the most – and it being an a, art of a play caller is just – I mean, that's critical. So I'm like, well, if, that, if we don't win, <laughs> I blame the fans. i like, because I didn't call the plays. I'm like, I got no problem with that. Yeah, know.
0: imagine that, actually getting to blame the fans as opposed to vice versa. There's a little, yeah, little loaded up vitriol there, huh?
1: Yeah, press conference is going to be interesting. You know, why'd you go for it? I don't know. <laughs> You're asking the wrong guy.
0: Meryl <laughs> Hodge joining us here. we did. <laughs> Merrill Hodge with us here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Meryl, you still watching as much tape as you always have?
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I stay on top of it. I, I, I. That's the only way you can talk about it. I'll be honest with you. I've I've done times where I've only watched the game on TV, and well, actually, I do this all the time. I watch it on TV first, then you, you know, you. You draw an evaluation or an assumption. Then you put the tape in. And you're like, man, I didn't even that. That was not the same game I watched because you know things start to unfold, different things and um, things you just can't see during the course. of The games are too fast. You know the strategy that's taking place. You know because the student offense leaves after they score. If they leave. The defense goes on. So it's just it's hard when you watch a game. And it's the only way to really really be able to talk in truth about a team or a player by doing that.
0: Merrill, what can the Steelers' defense do uh, against Tom Brady? Uh, last week scares you a little bit with what happened yeah. against the Ravens.
1: Yeah, well, here's I think here's where the, the, the real concern is for Pittsburgh. Um, you know, those inside linebackers, you know, they they got exposed. And that was really their first time. You know, think about Arthur Motes. And I don't think Pan fans will ever truly appreciate this. You know, and somebody – um I didn't know he played inside linebacker for the Buffalo Bills, but that's been a long time ago. Predominantly, he's been an outside linebacker, standing on the outside line of scrimmage, and you line up there right at the line of scrimmage. And so the world is different for you when you're at the line of scrimmage, at the edge of something, versus five yards off, in the middle of the field, reading things. This is, this is completely different. And, I mean, the game's different. You could tell that they were, they were out of sync. They were late reacting. Now, I do expect them to be better. However, you know, they're not going to be as sharp as they would be had they played there for 16 games, you know, a few years. And the Patriots will attack that. You know, you know here's what the concern is. is The Patriots are so good at run action, you know, and run action is different than play action. You know, play action is when really the quarterback and running back do something in the backfield, and the offensive line's pass blocking. Run action is when they're selling run, it looks like run, and then, you know, the quarterback ends up, Keeping the ball and throwing it. Well, they really struggled identifying those things, and so you know they're gonna they're gonna challenge that. But now, if you flip it around, the Patriots have struggled, and they struggled even against the Dolphins with recognizing different looks. You know, people standing up, moving around, and then pressuring and getting free guys. Actually, so that's something the Steelers do really well. So it almost is going to come down to who can kind of play. What weakness can they strengthen in this game? You know, can those inside players, you know, play at a much better level, which I expect them to play better? Um, can the Patriots handle some of their pressures? You know, Gronk's going to be a factor, and I don't think that's a. Uh, everybody knows that, you know, how they're going to go about handling him. You know, um, people have talked about, you know, Watt, TJ Watt. And that, that'd be a good, Here, I think TJ Watt would be a fabulous guy on the line of scrimmage with him, disrupting him at the line of scrimmage, giving him. Don't give him a free release. There's somebody could play to him in line of scrimmage, give him help over the top. You know, flip it around and just say, Gronk ain't going to beat us. You know, you, you, you give him some help. I mean, you could see a scheme like that. But it's going to be fascinating. I just think that those outside linebacks, I do expect to play better. They're going to attack them. And then can the Steelers really create enough pressure and different looks that the Patriots struggle with?
0: Check them out, yourcallfootball.com. A lot of good information on the site. Merrill Hodge joining me here on the Crowley Show. Merrill, flipping it around, the Steelers' offense has played great the last handful of weeks. What are the weaknesses of the Patriots' defense, and how can this now seemingly rolling Steelers' offense take advantage?
1: Well, I just don't think, you know, know, as you watch the fans, Steelers fans, I think kind of know this. You know, they come out, the Steelers, and they really line up in a Formation. They very seldom let me shift a little bit, but they don't do a lot of motion because, shoot, you got Antonio Brown, you line him up. Now that Antonio, wherever Antonio Brown goes, that tells you something about the coverage a little bit. Then they take Le'Veon Bell and they create another formation away so, from Antonio Brown. I'm a big majority of the time. You very seldom see them together. Uh, you know, Todd Haley does a great job of using these people because when you spread them out. Now you spread that defense out. You spread, and you defy, you help You help your offense get a better feel for what they, the Patriots, are going to try to do defensively. Now, the one thing the Patriots don't have, and not that they've ever really needed this, you know, like you just don't hear, there's not just a guy there. You're like, boy, you got to worry about him. You know, they don't have that guy. They've got some injuries. They don't match up well in the secondary as a whole or the linebackers to the personnel of the Steelers. They just don't. Um, and how they're going to go about selecting. Here's what I think is fascinating with them. I've always watched Belichick, not just with the Steelers, but any team. Who do they really think you've got to stop? What is their real priority? You know, And that's going to be an interesting one on this one because, shoot, Bell can kill you. I mean, destroy you. And so can Antonio Brown. Now, someone will say, well, um, Le'Veon Bell is going to touch it more, which is all – there's a lot of truth to that. He's got to be the guy they end up saying – that's who we got to neutralize. Uh, Antonio Brown does so many things that are devastating to a, to, a, to your team that he can't be ignored. But you just can't double everybody. So, what other scheme they come up with? I think is going to be. I always try to watch that early in games with Belichick. Is like he will tell you early who he thinks we got to beat or can take control of in order to win this game. You know, and I've, I follow, I think it'll be Le'Veon Bell. But it'll be interesting to see how they go about it. They might change it up based on down a distance and where you're on the field, too. You know, it could be that detailed.
0: Last thing here for you, Merrill, uh, when it comes to this game, who you got?
1: Well, I still think, you know, I, it, obviously if Shazier was there, there wouldn't be that, that huge question mark you have defensively. But these guys will get better. Um, the Steelers, you know, there is a little bit, too. Uh, what happened last year, that was embarrassing, you know, not just the beginning, but really how it ended. And this team is much better across the board on both sides of the ball. Ironically, um, than the Patriots are right now. Even though the Patriots, is, you know, they're still a rock. Um, I, I just like the, the Steelers are slightly better than them. You know, and I'll tell you the, the difference. All the things we haven't even mentioned Ben that much, and he is playing like mentally, he is playing ridiculous right now. You know, and that's another thing, too. That's why they use those formations, and then Ben sees things and is able to get the stuff. And those decision-making, I just think that's the difference. It's a tight one, but um, the Steelers right now are a little better than, uh, than the Patriots are, especially with their defensive woes, and they're not in rhythm really offensively uh, like they have been in past times.
0: Thanks again, Merrill. Uh, check them out, yourcallfootball.com. Uh, thanks so much for the time. Anything else you want to add on your call football? I don't know. Just
1: come watch us and make plays. and Just make good plays, all right? I'll try to help you with formations and personnel best I can. I'll give you three best options. But go ahead and join us. Make some good plays for me. Help me win a few games, guys.
0: Badass. Appreciate the time. Thank you.
1: Anytime, buddy. Take care, man.
0: There he goes, Merrill Hodge. That guy's the best. I can't believe that ESPN made him a casualty. Uh, I really can't. He had the NFL matchup show with Jaws, and if you're a nerd... Or if you're just a football nerd or you're both, whatever, that show was unreal. You watch that before the big games on Sunday and you sit around with your friends, drinking beers, eating nachos and stuff. You sounded like the smartest guy. It's because you were, because you were seeing what they were seeing. It was awesome. Uh, I miss that show greatly. Uh, Merrill Hodge also on with the DV Morning Show once every couple of weeks and he just kicks ass. Appreciate his time and The YourCallFootball.com looks pretty cool. I want Todd Haley to call some of the plays, though. Wait a second. That's what we already got. I kind of want the teams to suck. So there could be press conferences where the fans get called into question. How would you all deal with getting grilled, huh? There's one thing he didn't talk about there, and that's Le'Veon Bell's ability in the passing game. Merrill said that if he's Belichick, he thinks he's going to try to take away Le'Veon Bell. It's so hard to take Bell away because you split him out wide, and he did talk about this, in fact. You split him out wide, and the defense has to shift, and they declare. And the Steelers don't motion a lot because you have A.B. out there, and all of a sudden you know what the defense is going to do on that side because they're going to have to declare immediately whatever side of the formation he runs to. Le'Veon Bell's going to be big in the passing game. They're not great at defending running backs in that area. So I'm looking very much forward to seeing that. Thanks again to Merrill Hodge. The other thing there that he touched on that I thought was interesting, T.J. Watt, little chip off the edge, redirect Mr. Gronk, and then you bring someone else over the top to help. I like that. I know that T.J. Watt's good in coverage, but... Not obviously matched up one-on-one with Rob Gronkowski, but if you bump him off the line and kind of ride him out to the next level, you might have some success there. And you don't need your outside linebackers to create the pass rush in this game. You don't. You need to get the pass rush up the middle, and that's really how the Steelers have done it all year long. Now, you can still get there on the blitz from time to time. You don't want to do this all the time, but certainly something to consider. And it came out of his mouth, not mine first, so you know it's legit. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. We switch gears completely before we get back to the Steelers and Tim Benz at the top of the hour. We got Jason Mackey coming up next. Jim Rutherford said he's gonna make a major move if things don't change. Candid GM or is he just sending a message? We find out. It's a Crowley show. I would guess, but
2: I don't know. I, I don't get the sense that they're close to looking at Daniel Strong, but I could be wrong. Um, But, yeah, doing something, and and to your point, Adam, they're not doing it just to do it either. I mean, I, I know that Jim said he's not afraid to make a trade just to shake things up. That's what was in my story. But I do think he sees an opportunity here to check a few boxes, meaning, you know, get some new blood like you're talking about, you know, for lack of a better term, threaten his players a little bit and also make his team better. Um, I think he does want to get more scoring on that third line, specifically the third-line center spot in something against Riley Shea, and he's a fine fourth-line guy, but they want to get a premium third-line center, and I think this is going to be the opportunity for them to do it.
0: The message that I kind of got from reading what you wrote, Jason, was when he said, we're going to play three teams that are going to outwork us. I think that's a nice little kick in the arse, huh?
2: That's a big kick in the arse, my friend. Um you know, and I, I think I also read that to believe that if this road trip goes poorly, and by goes poorly, I mean they need to win tonight, probably tomorrow, and then they can get a freebie in Colorado if they if they drop that one close. But I mean, let's say they lose tonight. If it's bad, I wouldn't rule out a trade before the Arizona game. Like it just wouldn't surprise me. If they lose in Arizona, I <laughs> I'm gonna be very much on trade watch in the middle of that Steelers Patriots game on Sunday. I can tell you that much. I, I just think that you know this is a big time evaluation stage for Rutherford to see how you know he made these comments at the beginning of a road trip. He's going to see how his guys respond, and if they don't respond well enough, he'll do something.
0: Jason Mackie, the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, joining me here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Jason, who's the guy that gets moved off? Uh, that would shake things up. I mean, the Ian Cole conversation we had a couple of weeks ago leads you to think he might be a possibility, obviously. Um, but who else would they feel comfortable parting ways with if they were going to move guys off the roster?
2: Yeah, I mean, feel comfortable with parting versus being able to do it probably prevents you from uh, sending out Carl Haglund. I think that's somebody they would probably like to move. It's just you know nobody's going to pay $4 bucks for two goals in 31 games. Somebody they'd be comfortable moving off. I I get the sense that, you know, maybe if somebody made them an offer that blew them away for Connor Sherry, they'd think about it. Uh, Brian Rust, maybe they'd think about (gasps) it. I don't know. You You wouldn't trade Rusty? I mean,. I don't think I would either
0: for the record. That's the guy I would I would be much more inclined to trade Sherry than I would be Rust. Actually if they could just if they could just trade Sherry but keep Sherry, that's the move you gotta make.
2: <laughs> I I mean they're they're we're talking apples and oranges though. You know, Sherry's scoring at a reasonable clip but playing with Sid and not producing much in the way of assists and doesn't really do much else for three million bucks a year. Like is that three million dollars well spent? I think you can sort of ask that question, but rust right now is on a $600,000 contract. What he's doing, he's an absolute bargain. He's killing penalties, plays a speed based game, gets time in all situations. Like I'm not sure you'd trade that. That's why I think like, I mean, it's somebody they could, I don't think he's in touch. He's as untouchable as like, you know, Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, um, those guys, uh, you know, I, I don't think they would rule out trading Letang, but I look at this and I think, who who would want to pay $7.25 million for that right now? You know, if I'm an opposing GM, I wouldn't. That's not a mark against Chris Letang. It's just like he's kind of been inconsistent and he has a checkered injury history. I'm not sure I'd, I'd do that deal right now. Um, I'll throw a name out there for you, Adam, and I'm not saying this because I have some like inside information that, that, that it's going to happen. I don't. Um, but just something that, would you do it? I'm curious of your opinion, Phil Kessel. Would you go there?
0: No. Yep. I, I understand this discussion. I understand the question. Um, <laughs> uh, given the cap hit, uh, given that you got a guy in Daniel Sprong, you think you could bring up and isn't going to do maybe all the little things, but you know he can light the lamp. Uh, I could I could see it being something that maybe in passing is mentioned. And hey, there were rumblings back into the offseason, or at least discussion amongst the media members. Um, but I can't I can't get rid of my best player whenever I'm trying to get a third straight Stanley Cup. I don't think. Yeah, and he, I mean, he's the best be player fun. right now.
2: The the return would have to be huge.
0: Although um, you would be selling high, so there is that.
2: That's that's what I look at this, and and you know, again, I'm not operating on any sort of like inside info I have. I'm just saying that. If you're operating a business, isn't the best thing you can do to sell your assets at, at their highest point? And I'm not sure if Phil Kessel's stock is any higher than it is right now. Uh, but we saw that stretch last year at the end of the season where he scored, what, twice in 21 games? Like, what if he hits something like that, you know, going into the off season? and then the Penguins flame out in the first round if this doesn't happen? Like, all of a sudden, you're going to be trying to sell Phil Kessel in the off season, probably, and it's not going to be all that great in terms of return. So, I don't know if that's the right move to make. There are people much smarter than me that will figure that out. I just think it it is something I would, you know, I'd listen at this point. I would.
0: Patrick Hornquist uh, obviously is going to demand a lot of money. If they were to, say, have conversations with him and feel like he's not going to come back, you could see him being dealt. But do you sense that that's the avenue they're going to go down with him?
2: I don't. I don't, because that's waving a white flag on not bringing him back. And I think the Penguins still think they can get, they can make a run at Hornquist and try their best to get it back. With the cap going up the way it is, and, and with a potential shakeup, like if you, you know, if you would trade Kessel, obviously it would be easy. That that money works. But let's say they make a deal where they can get Carl Haglin off of their books for a reasonable rate, and you know, I, I don't know. Let's just spitball here and say Haglin and Sherry. They can send them out together. I mean, that's $7 million that you get off your books. At that point, you've got a lot more play to go sign Hornquist for what he's going to command on the open market. So, no, I wouldn't trade Hornquist for hockey reasons. I wouldn't trade him for business reasons. I wouldn't trade him for any reason. He's one of the most irreplaceable players on this team.
0: What if if you gave – never mind – uh, Jason Mackey of the Post-Gazette joining me here on the Crowley Show. I was going to make a terrible joke there. I thought better of it, and I'm going to continue thinking better of it. Uh, I'm it wouldn't going. be the first terrible joke you made, by the way. It would not, but this one may or may not have been offensive, and I reeled it in, and I'm proud of myself because that very, very rarely happens. Uh, Jason, Marc-Andre Fleury tonight. You're rooting for the shutout, aren't you? You love that guy. That guy's the best.
2: <laughs> How do you not love Flurry? I mean,
0: I, I root for nothing
2: other than, like, Outcomes that are decided early on, so I don't have to write a, a game that changes hands late on deadline. Um, but Flurry's one of the best human beings I've met in this business and really anywhere. I mean he's just he's incredible. Um, we got here Tuesday and I, I went right to Vegas' morning skate, so did Josh Yeo in the athletic. And you know, you probably saw on Twitter, like Flurry's waving to us while he's on the ice. We go in the locker room and you know, we're just chatting with them off the record for 20 minutes. I actually just did a Vegas radio hit and they're asking me. They were like in awe of this, that like me and Josh were just sitting there like holding court with Flurry for a while, but like we didn't think anything of it. Like that's just talking to Flower. You know, that's just what it was, just what it did. Uh, but he's just such a good person. He's made a great situation out of this, handled everything that's been dealt his way with such class. So, uh, you know, maybe tonight, it would be cool if he gets a shout-out, but more, I'm just rooting for him to be happy here, and it really sounds like he is.
0: That is good to hear. What are some Flurry stories that you have? Because there are a lot of good people in sports. Uh, there are a lot of good guys when I go to the Steelers' room. There are a lot of good guys when I go to the Penguins' room. But none of them have really been accepted the way that Marc-Andre Flurry is. No one's kind of been revered the way that Marc-Andre Flurry is. What are some other things that he's done or personal interactions he's had with you?
2: Well, with me personally, I, I remember one of the first times I ever talked to Flurry, it was, you know, one of those things where, you know, he ends up knowing like your fifth grade teacher's name. You know, he's just like he's very inquisitive. And and we kept you know, I'm talking about his kids. He's asking me if I have any kids, if I'm married, where we live, what we think, do we like it, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you know, you don't hear professional athletes really care much about you as a person, as and, reporter, he, and I
0: don't think they should. And he remembered everything, too? I think so. I mean, I didn't, like, quiz him. No, well, later, <laughs> but I, I've had conversations with guys in the locker room, and, and they've been very friendly, and you come back, and they ask you the same things again.
2: No, no, I mean, it's, it's never been that way. Sure. Um, but, I mean, everything that I've, every interaction I've had with Flurry, you know, I can't say it's, like, the super secret stuff that I've never, like, either written or, or made public or something like that, it's just like you hear about the pranks, you hear how he treats people. Like even when things aren't going well, like if you're sitting there, you know, doing your job, asking questions that you know the player doesn't get, like he, you know, will sit, will apologize to you after for like not answering them better. You know, he's just he's never a jerk. It, it's, he's the type of person that like I'm taking hockey out of this for a second. And I'm, I'm just like jealous of, you know. He never has a bad day. No matter what happens. He's always looking at the positive side of things. He never gets down. And that's just that's cool to see a guy like that in root
0: form. I'm happy he got to go out under the terms that he did, because he was so unfairly criticized for some of the Penguins playoff flameouts. And look, you look at what happened in Philadelphia in twenty twelve. Everyone was to blame for that, not just him. Uh, he didn't really get an opportunity against Boston in the in the playoffs because he had some failures, I suppose, early on in that postseason, but I'm happy he got to go out after the team just won a cup, after doing what he did to Washington and Columbus, and there's not going to ever really be people who, or they shouldn't at least, say, Mark andre Fleury's a guy who never got it done in these big games and had his issues whenever uh, the rubber met the road. Uh, I love the fact that he got to go out on these terms.
2: I agree, man. I agree, and he went out looking like the classy person that he is. He went out, you know, I I think about that situation with Matt Murray and how he handled it and how classy, you know, like waving his no-trade clause, handing the Stanley Cup to Matt Murray. He was asked yesterday, like, this awkward question about, like, you know, what was your favorite memory of playing with Matt Murray? And, you know, like it would even come off as, like, oh, my God, why would Flower want to answer that? (laughs) he, He immediately redirects it to winning. I mean, that's what it's all about, and we won together, and that will forever be special. He's a great young goaltender, and he's going to have a long career ahead of him, and blah, blah, blah. And, like, you know, just handled it with total class. And so, to me, when I think back about Fleury, I mean, yeah, he won so many games, and he won Stanley Cups, and, you know, obviously one of them is only the, you know, one is the main goaltender and then two series and another one. Uh, but, you know, he did so many great things for this franchise on the edge. But I, I will forever think of Fleury as one of the, just best human beings who happen to be a Pittsburgh athlete, uh, really, that has ever come through the city.
0: Did You play some craps last night?
2: Nope, nope, not a guy, man. I was trying, like, I, I, I walked around a while and did some people watching, but I'm just not a, not the gambling type. It kind of overwhelms me. I'm a little intimidated by it. I'm not, I'm not scared to admit that, but I didn't 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 go that route.
0: It's not my thing either, man. I've always felt that if I started, I wouldn't be able to stop, and that terrifies me. So I've never really Dude, gotten right. into it.
2: I'm right with you. Yeah. I'm that- right with you. Like I'm afraid I'd be Clark Griswold. I'm afraid I would be – I'm also, like, too competitive, you know, and, like, not only would it be, like, an addictive thing, but I would feel like, ah, oh, I'm going to show down that I'm going to beat this guy. You, I mean, we all know you're not. Right. You know, it's set up so you don't. The city doesn't exist. The, the, the players beat the house, and so – yeah, I just man, I'm not even starting.
0: No, it's the exact same thing for me. I'm too competitive. That's when I go. Why? When I go to Vegas, I just do the blow. So, all right, buddy. Thanks for the time. <laughs> all right, later. Jason Mackey, the Post Gazette. Hookers too. Up next, Le'Veon Bell, big key to this game and how he can help out Ben Roethlisberger. Plus, we got the official Vampire of the Crowley show coming up at six. Yeah. crouch Show. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> Man, this show's special, dude. It just is. During the break, I said to Joe, I know what your bod looks like. I waxed you before. And in, what, 40-ish days, a little over that, By January 27th, if I don't have a six-pack, I'm getting my belly button pierced. So everyone's going to know what my bod looks like. I'm getting close. And in fact, Brian actually kind of does know what my body looks like because I sent him a shirtless selfie a couple of weeks ago.
3: Yeah, man. The pictures you're sending me lately, if anybody ever went through my phone, they would assume that you and I are probably dating. I got shirtless selfies from Crowley. I got a crotch shot. I don't know how I got a crotch shot. It's clothed crotch shot, but literally, I got a crotch shot You did get Crowley. a crotch shot. You got that today.
0: It's because Baker Mayfield did the crotch grab before, and I sent that out to my friends whenever Baker is in all the trouble. Well, you can't grab your crotch, so I joked around. All male friends. Not harassment. Although, I guess that's in the eye of the beholder. Uh, did you feel harassed, Brian? Nah,
3: I kind of look forward to these things. Yeah.
0: <laughs> now, as for the, we, we should probably mention this. As for the six-pack, you saw me shirtless in that selfie. Yeah, yeah. If I work hard, it shouldn't be that hard, right? I mean, I should, no, I, I should be, I'm, I mean, I'm somewhat
3: close-ish. You're an in-shape dude. You're not flabby. Oh, jeez, I got to back up before I like go in I and like start that. calling keep, you hot and stuff. No, keep like, that up. Keep that up. You want me to go over there? Bad you, choice you, of words okay, by me, Crowley. You're hot. Don't, Is that where you want this don't, to go? Don't keep it up. Okay, and don't. Oh you, yeah. Should I back up then and start over? You're gonna need to back up if it's gonna be up. Okay, so yeah, <gasps> you're in good shape. You're not in bad shape by any means. You're not like a Tom Offerman or something. You're not like an Alex Layhu. <laughs> you you are in good shape. There's not far Stop for him. you to go. In fact, the people on the Crowley show myself you kdo Joe we're all pretty fit individuals you know we get a little we maybe eat some too much sometimes because we work in radio we get free food but we can bounce back pretty quick and I think we're gonna did you just do what I thought you did
0: my diet lately has been weird so I'm gassy I'm eating <laughs> a lot of vegetables I used to not eat a lot of vegetables I'm eating vegetables almost for every meal right now although you want to hear you want to hear what I'm doing to myself what are you I'm trying to build muscle because it's the fastest way to burn calories, too. So in the morning, I've been eating breakfast meats, and that's it. And then working nice. out immediately afterwards. Straight protein. Straight right. protein. I do carbs minimally for one meal, and then dinner's kind of leftover stuff. Yeah. Now, Leanna doesn't like it. My wife, because she's like, dude, like, can we eat the same stuff? But it's been working. I was on my parents' scale today. Went over. I'm a nice human being. Went to shovel the old walk for the old man oh. and stepped on their scale. It's one of those, like, really expensive scales because they're both trying to lose weight and do that whole thing. And I've lost six pounds since about a week and a half ago. And I lost eight pounds the first week. Whatever that means. You were motivated. You were
3: super motivated. I think, there, the I think, that, there's,
0: I think that there's some – I think that the first weigh-in was flawed. Tooties. Yeah. Because, like – overall it's been 6 but it said 8 the first week but i feel like i feel like i'm also starting to put some on like if i touch my abdomen now it's a lot harder than it was 2 weeks ago nice my abdomen nice, nice. Nobody cares about this, do they? I'm just talking. This is this is like second only to somebody else's fantasy football team no, that people no, want to hear about. Pe-
3: people are, I'm sure right now, their ears are locked on the radio. Yeah. And they're waiting for you to describe each ab of the six-pack, one by one, one through six, and how sexy each of them are individually, not only individually, but as a whole. You know what's hard, besides my abdomen, the these these top two abs, they're there, right? Yeah.
0: So I've got four. You sure those aren't ribs? No, as long as they look like abs. <laughs> yeah, right. So they're there, and they're visible. It's when you get to the lower abs where it becomes an issue. Because if I'm walking in with only four a four pack, are you guys gonna make me? Are you gonna make me? A oh, four pack is four
3: pack is too short. You're getting oh, belly man. piercing. Oh man. Yeah, dude. You said six pack. I'm sorry, and it's not like we put it on you. Like you, you made this challenge. We just came up with. I the did the
0: challenge because I knew that if I didn't, I would not get back in shape. Four packs tend to have a higher alcohol content, though. If I really, so here's what I'm worried about. Like Skull Splitter, you can only buy it in four packs, but it's like 8.5% sure. per bottle. Like Dogfish, 90 minutes, same thing. If like three weeks out, if I'm still lacking, I'm going to have to cut out all alcohol. I'm going to have to
3: cut out all carbs. I might just stop eating. Man, I'm telling you, liquid's key for, for the apps. Like l- liquid will kill you. If you're going for that goal, liquid is death. Whether it's pop, whether it's alcohol. The I only don't thing, drink pop. It's got to be water and, and coffee or tea with nothing in the it.
0: The only thing I drink is water. And and, uh, no, no,
3: no, no. A no, lot of is, beers. That is the craziest statement I've ever a heard. Lot of water beers. and yeast. The, <laughs> water and yeast. The only thing I drink is beer and then once in a while water is a proper statement.
0: Okay, I think that is fair. I do drink a lot of beer. It's really tough to get a six-pack when you drink. Mick ultra, man. It helps. It's the way of the Crowley lately. I am typically a Guinness guy, I like stouts. That's not gonna do it. No, that'll stick to your ass, man. And it'll stick to those abs. Now, the Mick what are you working with? 64 cal there? Only a couple of carbs? It's less than a what do they say? A glass of white wine? That's what the commercial says. They do a good job, clearly. Mm-hmm. It's like the saltine cracker of beer. Is saltine cracker is that okay?
3: That's I don't know. Put carb- some protein that's, on it. That's carb loaded.
0: Yeah, and it's not that's bread. I it's, mean, it's essentially bread. It's exactly. not even a complex carb. Throw some uh, tuna on top of it.
3: You dropped complex
0: carb. I did just drop complex carb. Yeah. People what are kind of bre- things here. What kind of breakfast mean you talking about? First of all, uh, sausage.
3: See now that's bad, Crowley. No, nope. exactly. Tur- turkey sausage and uh, okay, turkey bacon. Better, better. it's okay. better. It's better. Okay. It's turkey both. Straight sausage is fattening. No bleep. That'll get that'll get your belly button pierced. It's turkey sausage. Okay. okay. All right, fine. I'm, I'm getting rid of all sausage then. See, you go with a steak in the morning. You can't go wrong with that. You know, nice lean steak, straight-up protein in the morning, two eggs. That's a lot going on right there. That's a healthy breakfast.
0: But here's the thing. That's a lot That's a lot more caloric than what I'm eating.
3: Yeah, well, the thing is you're working out, so you're going to kill those calories. You're going to build up some energy to work out, Yeah. but that protein will go to work right after that. I mean, there's
0: protein in so- turkey sausage. Yeah, there is, but there's a lot more in straight-up steak and eggs. That's true. Yeah. See, I'm Spinach. not a big I'm not a big egg white guy. Like, just give me the eggs and I eat well enough that it's not gonna screw my cholesterol. That, my mom tells me that all the time. She goes, Don't eat all those eggs every morning. Why? That's terrible for your cholesterol. Well, if I'm not eating terribly high cholesterol foods otherwise, I'll be fine. You know what's really good for getting abs? Smoking lots of cigarettes. <laughs> well on our way, boys. <laughs> You know ass. what?
3: This is actually very timely of a discussion. You may be listening to the show and going, "You know what? The hell are they talking about? Where are they going with this?" But this is exact argument with himself that Tom Brady has every day when he wakes up with that weird routine he does. You know, Pack he's a like,
0: "Keeps the fat away." Yeah.
3: How many calories are in this? How much fat is in this? And this is exactly what goes on in that nut job's mind.
0: My mom once started smoking because she thought it would help her lose weight. And my dad was like, oh, "We're putting an end to that, dummy."
3: Problem is, you got to quit smoking, then comes back double. Yes, that's why I, that's why I start every morning and quit every afternoon.
0: <laughs> Keep your body guessing. Never getting a problem. Yep.
3: Keep your body guessing. Yes. <laughs>
0: Here's a misconception. My buddy, I used to work out with him in college, right? And I realize we've probably taken this too long in the segment, but we've talked football all day, and we're talking football coming up with Tim Benz at the top of the hour. I had a buddy who we'd work out with, we'd work out together, and he'd walk out after being at the gym, and he'd light up a cigarette. Yeah, and. Everyone would be like, dude, what the hell, man? Like, you're just, I thought you were trying to get healthy. He's like, I'm not trying to get healthy. I'm trying to look good. I've always been that guy.
3: Like yeah. after I work out, I'll, I will have a cigarette. I mean, I've I've quit for the most part every once in a while, but I don't mind having a cigarette. Here's a funny thing: because you're you're not trying to be healthy, you're trying to look good, right? I'm Trying to look good. I don't care how healthy I'm. I just don't. I want to look I'm dying healthy. either way. I, on the inside, all hell can break loose. I'm fine as long as the outside's all right. But here's a funny thing: like I used to do a lot of mountain climbing. Just no, <laughs> no. I'm telling you, like for real, like I really did. Like, <laughs> that is funny no i mean i have but (laughs) at altitude cigarettes help you like it was actually a healthy exercise to give you like it would open up the airways in your lungs so you could climb better more efficient carcinogens but it's you couldn't smoke a pack and do this joe but i mean like one or two at a time like would open up and give you the ability to breathe at higher altitude i'm not even kidding professional mountaineers to this day use cigarettes at altitude Will Greer use cigarettes at high altitudes. Yeah, you see, Will Greer actually yeah, Will Greer is so good that he can use a cigarette anywhere and his performance will never tail off.
0: What I heard is that if you have to swim a great distance, drink a twelve pack <laughs> so that it, it keeps you it keeps you balanced there. It buoys you. It does buoy you. Yeah. So if we were going on some sort of triathlon where you're swimming a great distance, then climbing a mountain, 12-pack gets you across the water, And a big, start in the sags, and you'll be fine. Big pot of
3: beef stew will help, too. Yeah. You know something nice and heavy? Exactly. Yeah, see? It's Crowley health plan. Did you just go, yeah, she... Yeah, see. Yeah. Le'Veon
0: Bell's a huge key to this game. That's a guy who lost a bleep ton of weight. Coming out of college, now he had the good muscles underneath, Right? So all he needed to do was blast some of that fat off there, and all of a sudden, oh my god, he's got like a twelve pack.
3: He's on not LeGarne the kind. Blunt
0: fitness program, right? Oh boy! When you put your finger up, Joe, so that you can interject, you should wait till the end of my line so that we don't step all over each Couldn't other. Couldn't help myself. I thought that was a good one. It was decent, and it ruined it ruined my segment. We'll talk about Le'Veon Bell next with the official Vampire of the Crowley Show, Tim Bend.